Hi, this is the Care to Change podcast. We appreciate you choosing to join us today. This month, we're discussing topics related to breaking free. You'll be hearing April, our counselor, Jared Jones, and our director of clinical services, Brittany Gibson, as they discuss breaking free from addictive behaviors. Thank you for being part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux, the director here at Cure to Change. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are in the middle of a series we're calling Breaking Free. Last week, we had a really good conversation uh, with two military veterans talking about breaking free from what was experienced at war. I would encourage you to get that, listen to that, and share that with your friends and family members who have been or are or are in the military. Uh, Today, we're talking about breaking free from addictive behaviors. And we have two of our therapists with us today, Jared Jones. Jared, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Jared actually has studied the brain. So he's going to share with us a little bit about what the brain what happens in the brain when there's an addiction, uh, because I think sometimes we have a a lot of shame and uh, around just telling friends and family members, just stop whatever the addiction is, and it's not that easy. So we're going to talk about that. And we also have with us our director of clinical operations, and who's also a therapist, trained specifically in addictions, Brittany Gibson is back with us. Brittany, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So this is a good conversation. Uh, Like I said, last week, we talked about breaking free from what happened at war. Today is breaking free from addictive behaviors. In the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about breaking free from abusive cycles and then breaking free from the tyranny of the urgent. So it's a great series. Today is a topic that affects literally millions and millions of people across the United States and really the globe. There are so many different kinds of addictions. Uh, And so if you are interested in learning more about that, we will put lots of resources in our show notes and guidance and websites for you to be able to get more information. Uh, Typically, we get phone calls from people who have a loved one who has an addiction of some sort. And it can be anything from a gambling addiction to a sex addiction to a drug addiction to an alcohol addiction, to a work addiction, there's all kinds of different addictions that people have exercise addiction, uh, food addiction. So There's so many different kinds of addictions and for family members who are watching um, really the destruction that happens when someone has an addiction, it's just um, frustrating and exhausting and they've tried all methods and means to try to help and engage and stop and prevent and yet it just continues and so it is a long journey, a long haul and so we want to dedicate today to first of all removing the shame. And so we're going to talk about the biology of it and then also talk about how to really just break habits and avoid relapse. So let's jump in. Jared, um, talk a little bit about what a brain that has an addiction, what does it look like? Just so that what I want is I want our listeners to know it's not as easy as, quote, just stop, right? It's not as easy Mm -hmm. as you know what this is doing to our relationship. And if you loved me, you would just stop, you know, whatever the behavior is. It's if it were that easy, right, there wouldn't be millions and millions of people um, with addictions. And if will were the issue, like just have a strong will, 
right? It just is not that easy. And I want to, I really want the listeners to understand what happens in the brain and body first as it starts and as it continues. Can you share that? Absolutely. So just kind of a quick overview of how addictions affect the brain. Addictions hijack your prefrontal cortex. This is the part of your brain that's like right behind your forehead and in between your eyeballs, like kind of that part. This is the part that really controls our our decisions, our problem solving, our ability to reason through things and self-control and impulse control. And this is the part of our brain that really develops through our teenage years. What addictions do is they begin to erode the pathways, the neural pathways that help us to make decisions that we know are good for us and to avoid things that you know, they might be good at first, but ultimately we know that they're bad for us. And this is kind of the the paradox of addictions is the more that you have given into an addictive substance or an addictive behavior, the more it erodes your ability to get out of that addictive substance or behavior. So literally by struggling with an addiction, you're making it harder and harder for you to get out of that ability, that, that choice to give in to whatever that addictive thing is. Uh, it also hijacks your dopamine circuit. So dopamine is a chemical in your brain that does all kinds of different things. But part of its responsibility is to help us be rewarded for things that are that are good for us, things that feel good. It's, it's not our pleasure chemical, but it when we feel pleasure, it's a chemical that helps us to continue to do that thing. So we eat delicious food, we get dopamine from that, it makes us want to eat that food again. We spend time with someone we enjoy, we get dopamine from that, we want to spend time with them again. Um, dopamine also um, is reduced in things that uh, harm us. So if we feel pain, it reduces dopamine, it allows us to remember that that was not pleasurable, so we are not encouraged to do that again. And when we give into addictive behaviors, what happens is we get an increased dose of dopamine. We get an unnaturally high level of dopamine released in our brain. And after several times of getting exposed to those high levels of dopamine, our brain gets used to those high levels of dopamine, and that becomes the level of pleasure that we're used to. And so when we do things that are just normal releases of dopamine, such as like spending time with others or having certain drinks or food, you know, th things that aren't addictive, those aren't satisfying anymore. And we have that deep craving and desire for the thing that we're addicted to. And those are just two of the different ways that our brain gets affected by addictions. It, it makes it, it's almost like digging ourselves into a hole. It makes it harder and harder to climb out of that. And this process is worse the earlier in life you start your addiction. If you're a full-grown adult, you are going to have a harder time having these neural pathways develop in your brain, giving into addictive stuff than you are if you are an adolescent. In adolescence, if they begin to get caught up in addictive substances or behaviors, it's way harder to break because their brain builds on that. It grows into that. So I'm thinking about the gaming addiction and even pornography addiction. When you say that your body, your brain releases excess levels of this pleasure, feel good hormone of dopamine that during whatever it is that's that becomes the addiction then the other things in life that used to be pleasurable become less pleasurable because it's not releasing the same level of dopamine. And so what's important is, and we see this, especially with kids who have gaming addictions, all of a sudden spending time with friends isn't as fun or playing sports. Some of those other things that they used to enjoy doing, they may not do as much because they're not nearly as fun. And then they spend more time on the games. And so it's the cycle, right? Yeah, really, absolutely. The body craves wanting to feel good. So whatever is bringing this feel good is what the body moves toward and the brain moves towards doing. 
whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, gaming, whatever, like I said, whatever the addiction is. And the sad part about it is that heightened dopamine level, it doesn't start with exposure to the thing that you're addicted to. It starts with thinking, ideation of that thing. Mm. If I spend my day thinking about video games, if I spend my day planning how I'm going to go home and get on my uh, vape pen and uh, be using THC that way, Mm -hmm. that's where the dopamine levels start. So it's not just limiting exposure to that thing it's also controlling the thoughts and the ideation of the thing that's uh, the addiction so what do we do about it thank you jared for sharing that um because i think sometimes we do get into this pattern of wanting to create behavior modification plans to remove addiction and while that is an important aspect of removing the addiction and replacing it with healthy habits It's not the only thing because um, the body really does crave it. And once you've developed these neuropathways that say move toward this in order to find pleasure, it's really creating new neuropathways in order to break those addictions. So it's not as easy as being strong-willed against something. And that's the point of sharing kind of what happens. And I know that you've just sort of scratched the surface of what happens in the brain. And we can put a couple of links in the show notes to to support that as well. I want to move into... Really, what do we do about it? How how do we break the habits and how do we avoid relapse? Brittany, can you just begin to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that Jared was talking about was, you know, the neural pathways and the connections that happen in the brain. And that is for a multitude of things. You know, we talk about triggers and things getting associated with each other and those pathways are all connected together so a lot of the times it's not just the substance that you're looking for or that are triggering the things it's other things it's outside activities it's you know being with certain people all of these things kind of get encompassed together to kind of create the addiction in itself and so it's not a matter of just stopping the substance or whatever it is that's the addiction it's also everything around it too and so, you know, when you're thinking of, of sobriety and trying to maintain from your addiction, it's important to remember that, you know, before the relapse even happens, there's a setup, there's yep. a, you know, there's the triggering events, it's, it's the things that happen well before you actually use the substance or engage in the behavior. And so it's important to really identify yourself what that setup looks like, but also too, even before, you know, the trigger happens, if you're not taking care of yourself, that's part of the setup too. So, you know, AA has a term called halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. If you're any of those things, that can be a setup to then when you drive home and you normally pick up a bottle on your way home, you're already in a, like a precursor for a disaster Mm -hmm. because you're, you know, you're feeling lonely or you're feeling bored and then you kind of stop. So it's important to um, even before the tr- you know the relapse happens, it's when you decide to expose yourself to triggers. So I think that's really the first thing of being able to identify, you know, what the triggers are for you, and it looks different for everybody. So when you think about, you know, when you've been using or when you've been gaming, what are the things that set it up for you? Mm-hmm. So you're what you're saying is that there before the trigger actually takes place, it's important to be prepared for potential setups. Mm -hmm. And the setups are that halt, that hungry, those items that you mentioned there. Yes. And and to give an example, you know, if you're well rested, if you're if you're nourished properly, if you're connected with friends or family, and a trigger comes along, you know, an image, uh, whatever the trigger is for you, 
you're less likely to say, oh, I'm going to act on this um, because you're in a frame of mind and space where you're supported, where if you're not taking care of yourself and you're hungry or you're tired or you feel lonely or um, your defenses are really just down, like whatever it is, stressed out, then when that very same trigger comes along, then you're more likely to oh, respond because you're wanting to feel good. Um, as Jared described, you're wanting that little dopamine hit. And so, oh, that's a way I can get it. Mm-hmm. So, so knowing what what to do to support yourself and, and setting yourself up for success is an important part of the process to removing the addiction and not having relapse. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times in treatment, especially, we focus on either avoiding the triggers or, you know, just drive a different direction home, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, don't Building go the same path. Fate, like, and those are good things, but yes. you're not as likely to make those wise choices if the setup, if you haven't set yourself up for success. So I'm glad that, you know, that you, you're starting there with the setup. Yeah. So once you set yourself up for success, right? Like you're taking care of yourself, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, then we can kind of move into, you know, triggers and really building those new habits and avoiding relapse. And so I think, like you said, it's it's important to talk about like, we have to take care of ourselves first, and then we can kind of move into the next phase. So, you know, the next phase is, now that you've taken care of yourself, which could feel different because before you may not have been taking care of yourself. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do to really try to work through those triggers and to avoid a relapse. So, you know, if you're, this can be a very challenging one, but if you're feeling the urge to relapse, try to wait it out. So um, it's called urge surfing or distress tolerance, which as people, we don't like to sit with uncomfortable feelings, but our emotions ebb and flow. And so meaning if I can kind of hold on to the craving or kind of surf through the craving, it eventually will pass. It could take 30 minutes or more, but if you distract yourself, even for 30 minutes, that craving could go down, it's going to lessen intensity and it might not totally disappear, but it becomes easier to resist. So, you know, we, we tend to want that instant gratification. I get the craving, I immediately go use, but if I can urge surf it out, a lot of times I can let it pass or I can do something to try to distract myself to wait for it to pass. And it's important to know what to do to distract yourself in advance, mm-hmm. not while you're in the moment no, trying to resist not, yes. the urge, right? So. Yes, yes. A good relapse prevention plan of, of skills that you can do to help in those moments instead of waiting until those moments happen because it will happen. Reminding yourself that having a plan when things get bad, because at some point they get bad. We like to think that we've got it under control and that we'll keep going, but things get bad. And at some point the cravings will come back. And so it's important to have those things in your pocket for when things get bad. You know, developing a plan through major life changes. Mm -hmm. So as times of stress, so even if you've been, you know, sober from the addiction for a couple of years in times of stress, our body tends to bring back those cravings and want those things because that's our use of coping. Mm, Yeah. So to understand that when there is a big life transition or an unexpected, you know, it could be loss, for example, you know, death, change of job, change of um, relationship status, birth of a child, anything that's a major life change, whether it's a happy life change or an unwanted life change, 
is a time of stress and that can bring those cravings back to mind. Mm -hmm. Because again, you're, what are you wanting? Like Jared said, you're wanting to feel better. And so of course, you feel better reach fast for, too, right? right? Like, just give me something really quick. Mm -hmm. I think that's sometimes what we see with addiction. Like, I'll just have one. I'll just do this for a moment. We get complacent, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you've identified what your triggers are, the next step then is trying to build new habits. And so new healthy habits. You mm -hmm. want to, you know, we go back to the brain. We need to build new neural pathways, new connections for positive events in our life or positive things in our life. And so it's it's important then to to replace, you know, the use with something more positive. Mm -hmm. Because if you're you are having a gaming addiction and you used to spend hours gaming and now that time is filled with nothing, you're going to be gaming pretty quickly because you're bored, you're lonely, and right. you're feeling the setup, right? So it's important to integrate new activities, new connections. It's important to connect during these times too. Don't go at it alone because you're not you're just one person and this is right. something bigger. And so you need to bring in help and build new healthy habits. I've I've heard that quote before that the antidote to addiction is connection, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a part of, you know, I, I don't know that I would say it's the antidote, but it's certainly a factor mm -hmm. in relapse prevention. Is that You'd be connection. surprised what connection does to your neurobiology. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Well, basically the basic human need for connection actually runs on that same circuit. And so does our desire to make choices that are intentional and make choices that are beneficial to us. And so if we are surrounding ourselves with people that are encouraging us, that are building us up, that are giving us desires that are greater than our desire for the whatever it is we're addicted to, it can actually strengthen that frontal lobe circuit to be able to resist those temptations and cravings amidst mm -hmm. other factors that being in community can do that. I've heard it said before that addiction is not just an individual problem. It's also a corporate problem. When someone has an addiction, it's not something that they individually can fight themselves. They can, they can do things to do that. But the big, the biggest success we see with addictions is when there is a community around yes. them that pulls yes. them out of it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think connection is so important, not just for healing from addiction, but a lot of other mental health struggles, they isolate us, you know, our the emotions that we feel pull us back. And so the antidote or a way to just feel better is to connect with other people. We talk about shame, right? Shame comes with a lot of what we've talked about or what we work with with clients. And connection is the way to combat that. That's the, you know, the quickest way to kind of really feel some relief from your symptoms is to go connect with somebody in a healthy way. I'll caveat that. Right. So one last thing I want to make sure that we talk about is if for some reason there is a relapse that happens, don't give up. We're not all or nothing thinking here where right. if I have relapsed, it means that I, I'm a failure or that I didn't do something right because relapses happen. And so it's important to, you know, remind yourself that even if there's a relapse, even if you have a chunk of sobriety from, you know, whatever you've been struggling with, if you make a mistake and, and you have a relapse, it's okay. Give yourself that grace and know that you're not starting over. You've gained knowledge, experience, confidence. You've built some new neural pathways yes. that are going to help you get back onto it. Um, and especially if you've built connections, it's important to share that with people because a lot of times they're your cheerleaders. They're the people that are encouraging you. And so they can then help you build that confidence back up 
to continue and to start start again. And another, I will say another caveat, just because you've had a slip up, to go back to that all or nothing thinking, doesn't mean that we go on a binge and we're like, well, right. we just, we've just messed up. Let's go ahead and just mess the whole week up. The day's over anyway. So right, right. Well so might something. as well, mm-hmm. right? So give yourself that grace, acknowledge the relapse, acknowledge what the trigger was, try to identify it, try to work through it in a, from a thought and emotion and behavior standpoint, and then try again. You know, we as humans, we make mistakes, we have slip up, it's okay. We're not perfect. Keep going. Always keep going. There's yes. always hope at the end of it that we can just keep going. I love that. What resources would you give to listeners? Where do they even begin I know that this is, we're not going to solve and give every sort of, here's your 10-step program in order to reduce and eliminate addictions, right? It's not that easy. But together, like Jared said, you know, in community, we can make a difference. Setting ourselves up for success and having that community to back us and then doing these other things that are so commonly talked about. What what uh, resources would you give? So, you know, we talk about community. Community is important. I would say find yourself a good community, whether that's AA, whether Mm -hmm. that's Celebrate Recovery, other peer-led groups. I think that's a great resource to start. Um, And you may be saying, well, I've tried AA and it didn't work for me. Try a different group. Right. Not, you know, just like a therapist isn't a perfect fit for everybody. Yes. A group is not a perfect fit for everybody. Yes. So, yes, it is disappointing if it didn't work out the first time but they work and the connection, the community is super important. So again, try again, uh, just because it's important to live in that connection. I will also, actually, April, you brought up the resource and didn't even know it. There's a TED talk called The Opposite of Addiction is Connection. Mm. And that is a great video. I When I first clicked on that, I was like, there is no way. Like addictions, a, it's a chemical disease, right? It's a biological thing. Right. And then I learned what the relationship was between addictions and relationships we build with people and things in our lives. And it was like, oh, this makes sense now. So I would I would put that on there. I think you can find it on YouTube. We'll put that in the show notes. Okay, so I, again, I know for the listeners that breaking free from addiction isn't as easy as a three-step process. And this is the reason why so many different factors are included, whether it's getting to the root of what caused the addiction to begin with. So what made someone actually turn to, or was it something they fell into and just got addicted to that dopamine, but it's a part of the setup and it's part of the community and it's a part of the treatment that's required, which also means looking and advocating for yourself and finding the right fit. And so there's so much to it and it's important to have all of the pieces in order to be successful, including that grace piece that you mentioned, uh, Brittany, about, you know, it's, you know, when there's relapse, there isn't a perfect person. And so when there is relapse to offer yourself grace and pick back up and start right back over. And I hear, you know, like, start working the program again, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a part of that. We will include the these resources in our show notes. Again, thank you for joining us today, just to have this quick conversation uh, about how to break free from the addictive behaviors that you or someone that you love experience. Next week, uh, we'll be releasing an episode on breaking free from abusive cycles. I'm really happy to share this with you. A lot of people don't recognize even what abuse is or when they're in the cycle of abuse or why they go from one um, toxic relationship to the next. And so We're devoting next week to how to break free from abusive cycles. We hope you'll join us for that. Thank you so much 
for choosing to spend this time with us. Be sure to check the show notes for resources. Share this with whomever you think uh, would benefit from hearing this. You're invited, obviously, to follow us on your favorite social media platform. But until we see you again, uh, please take care of yourself and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.